0: Hello from Austin and welcome to episode 140 of the National Security Law Podcast, brought to you by the Strauss Center at the University of Texas. It is Wednesday morning, October 23rd. 3rd. I'm Bobby Chesney. I'm Steve Vladek. We're back at, at home base for, for a week and then we, we go back on the road. Yeah, this is kind of fun. So last week, uh, if you heard last week's episode, you know we were at a Harvard at Austin Hall and it was really great getting to spend time with those students and doing a live to tape recording of the show. Um, and it was, it was a long one because we included a fun sort of bonus segment with Q&A with the audience at the end. And as to everyone who did listen all the way through, all I can say to you is, Emoluments, <laughs> nice. I loved. I loved getting as the week went on all those uh, the emoluments tweets. The, all these phony emoluments tweets, Steve.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: you're just trying to rile me up already. It's all phony. Well, no, it says here. So, friends, I'm looking at this uh, University of Texas publication called Texas Connect. That's sort of a sort of a,
1: what's going on around campus, like an in-house magazine. Yeah,
0: and uh, and there's an awesome little piece on pages 52 <laughs> and 53 called "Making Waves." that's uh, about National Security Law Podcast. Very nice of our campus to do a little profile. And, and I hear a quote from Steve in the article after saying a bunch of nice things about the, the good discipline it is to do this weekly show. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's also fun to razzle Bobby. Yep, I see what's really going on here. I mean, is that false? No, it's true. And actually, I think I said something very similar when I spoke to the reporter as well. I mean, this
1: is, this is like, I, I have all these Twitter followers now who basically follow me only so that they can see Karen drag me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, Karen dragging me on Twitter has become a sport, and and, and there are a lot of people... It's I like think a my, bingo thing. Me included, like, who are there for it. It's like a, a spotting... I love um, that. Speaking of, speaking of weird reporter stuff, so apparently there's a photographer coming in the middle of this recording today. That could be awkward.
0: Yeah, so somewhere in the back, presumably in the next 20 minutes or so, you're going to maybe hear a knock on the door. And then we'll get a little frazzled. We're going to let in a photographer who I think said that they're from the Austin Chronicle. Uh, we don't actually know what's going on. Is there a story being written? Who knows, but
1: we're not, you know, we're not too shy. So sure. Come yeah, on in. I, I mean, you know, if it's an expose about you know fraud and abuse at the national security, you know how we're spending the state's money. I don't know exactly. Yeah, it's a, what would be the expose? Just like
0: these guys really truly have zero qualifications for anything else. Well, and
1: today, I mean, you know, the photo won't capture this, but today would be an especially apt. Um, moment for that because um, we basically walked in here and said, let's just do a free form episode.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if you tuned in this morning waiting for the usual run of show where we say, here here are the four key things. We have
1: no idea.
0: Yeah. This, if you're new to the show, might I recommend you Try pause, an episode that we planned try for. Try a prior episode. It's, it's been, it's a short week since we last recorded. Um, we, I, I think we'll probably maybe talk about this morning's Second Circuit argument Little that's bit. unfolding yep. in-, in uh, Big Circuit
1: grant on Friday.
0: Yeah, big Circuit grant. Um, um, and my, so-
1: my reply brief in Hernandez is in.
0: Okay, so we so we we'll have a few things we're going to touch base on, but but we don't have a marquee topic, and we certainly didn't prepare. So um, that's never stopped us. We'll before. probably end up saying more about what NBA uh, and, regular MB- season NBA projections, Preview.
1: and also we should say, and next week's episode is also going to be on uh, the road show, right? So yeah, but
0: that one will be a good one. That one or will better be a better one because we have a real audience again.
1: But it'll be Friday, so so we actually have a, a longer break before recording next week because uh, we are recording as part of the uh ABA Standing Committee on Law and National Security's annual CLE conference.
0: Yeah, this is a great anyone who's a DC-based national security lawyer surely knows about this. It's the big annual November gig. Jerga,
1: is this the Jerga? No, is that it's a not. The, it's not
0: the lawyer Jerga. Oh, there's that, a different Jerga. Yeah, Harvey, hi, I hope you're listening. Um so yeah, it's a great event and we're going to do a kind of a combo live podcast at the event with our friends at the Standing Committee's own podcast, National the Security national Law Today podcast. And and we're going to combine forces and just have a lot of fun. There's a lot to talk about. We're gonna, The theme will be sort of like, what are the upcoming issues? So right, we'll, like
1: the next, like, you know, national security in and after the election. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that's for for folks who actually are thinking about coming to this conference. That's, we're going to be at 845 Friday morning in Washington. Yeah,
0: so look us up if you're going
1: to be there. We're excited about that. All right, so, so we're going to do sort of a lightning round of stuff we didn't prep. Um, and then we're going to do NBA preview, which I also didn't prep because, you know, it's really easy for me. Knicks. <laughs> bad <laughs> and, and and
0: well i'll save my comment for later you can entirely predict what i'm going to say
1: although i also want to say by the way that there are a lot of good shows coming back in our direction um good shows and movies i saw the the final trailer for the rise of skywalker oh
0: yeah okay so we actually have a lot of uh if if you dig our frivolity you, today, you'll, you'll find this a very satisfying but short episode <laughs> if, if you're here for the actual thing we're supposed to be expert sorry in, um, yeah let's do some of that yes uh let's talk about uh so uh, Trump Start v. Vance, which Trump is, Vance. Yep. Th- as I understand it, this is unfolding right now. As
1: we speak, before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit right. in downtown Manhattan.
0: Because not very long ago, the district court did order that the, the Trump the Trump company's uh, accountants have been ordered to turn over documents. This is in relation to the Manhattan DA, uh, Cyrus Vance Jr.'s um, uh, inquiry into alleged illegalities or potential illegalities surrounding the payments of hush money to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal.
1: Uh, can I be can I be Fed Court's nerd for a second? Do it. All right. So um, Judge Marrero did not actually order Mazars to comply with the subpoena. What he did was he refused to enjoin the New York state courts True. From, com- from mandating compliance with the subpoena. So um, short version, Cyrus Vance issued a subpoena in his capacity as New York County District Attorney. Um, that's a state court matter. Um, the Tr- President Trump moved to uh, enjoin the subpoena in federal court. This is why it's like a great. That court's question. Um, and As I think we mentioned very, very briefly when we talked about this the first time, Mm -hmm. there's this doctrine called Younger Abstention, which is a derivative of equitable restraint, which basically says um, federal court should not be enjoining ongoing state criminal prosecutions. Therefore, it's not appropriate in a case like this to walk into federal court and get an anti-prosecution injunction. Um, That was Judge Marrero's ruling on October 7th. Um, here we are, 16 days later. That's pretty darn fast yeah. for an appeal. And, and,
0: and so, you know, a lot of times in the show over the past, what, 140 weeks, we have critiqued, uh, we've criticized judges yeah. for the slowness of, of accepting regular process. Not this means, one. Yeah, no, this compliments to the Second Circuit.
1: So, and the panel, we should say it's Chief Judge Katzman, uh, Judge Chin, who I've known since I was eight, um, and uh, Judge Droney. Huh. Um, you know, I am not, I don't think one can always assume that the, that sort of the, who appointed the judges is a good bellwether of how they're going to rule. I do think in this case, the president has an uphill battle, at least with regard to some of his arguments. So the president's
0: argument is that there should be uh, at least during the time or during the time of office, the president sh- is should be immune not only from being prosecuted but from being investigated.
1: Which means that right. So and keep in mind, the subpoena is not directed to him. The subpoena is directed to a third party, Mazars, which has said it would be willing to comply with the subpoena. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if, it's
0: not trying to get out of anything. That's right.
1: And so the question is: Is it really the case? So. We've seen this argument unfold in the congressional subpoena context. This is what produced the D.C. Circuit decision. We talked about in a fair amount of detail on last week's episode. Um, This is different. This is not a congressional subpoena. This is a criminal subpoena from a state prosecutor. And the question is, which way does that cut? On the one hand, criminal subpoena, stronger, less of this awkward, do you have a legitimate investigative purpose question. Right, there's none of that. It's like, obviously, there's a legitimate investigative purpose. On the other hand, federalism. And so there's this open question about the extent to which state courts are allowed to do anything to a sitting president. We've talked briefly before about Clinton versus Jones, um, the Supreme Court's 1997 decision that holds that sitting presidents are not absolutely immune from all civil process as long as the underlying claim arose before they were president. Right. That's this right. case. That
0: is this case. This is this is about uh, pre-presidential uh payments, campaign time maybe, but pre-inauguration.
1: But, right, there's no, Clinton versus Jones reserved the question of whether its rule applied in state court as well as federal court. Um, That question has already come up in the New York state courts in the summer Zervos case. And so far, I think the highest ruling is by the appellate division for the first department, so the intermediate appeals court, saying uh, by a three to two vote, yes, Clinton versus Jones applies in state court. Yes, state courts can enforce you know, investigative process against okay. presidents. This is a this is the effort by Trump to get not just the federal courts, but I suspect the Supreme Court to weigh in on that question. So let's
0: set aside the federalism aspect. Just act like as if today's issue is in front of the the uh, um, the New York Court of Appeals, which is the highest court in New York. Uh, New York, and it's labeling you know New York Supreme Court is the. The law court, court level.
1: Anyways, um, assume that That's not as bad as Miami. Miami is the worst. Oh, is Miami different? Well, because here in my, no, so Florida, the courts sound like they should. Yeah. But here's the problem. The 11th, so it, the, one difference. In Florida, the circuit courts are the trial courts and the district courts are the intermediate appeals courts. Really? And it gets better. You know where the 11th circuit trial court sits? Uh. Miami. So in Miami, if you refer to the 11th Circuit, you are either referring oh, Lord. to the that's state funny. trial court or the federal appeals court. That's awesome. Yay. Well, that's
0: like how we have two uh, appellate districts in Houston and True. Texas state courses. True. Always fun. Anyways, <laughs> uh, back to the merits. So... Um, if we accept for the sake of argument that the rule indeed is that the president cannot be prosecuted for the time in office that it, that the prosecution functions told during that period, uh, should it follow interpretively that the investigative function also has to be held in abeyance? Um, it's not obvious to me that there's a clear answer one way or the other. I think that the primary argument uh, for extending that temporary immunity period into the investigative process Uh, would have to be that there is the risk of disruption. There's an equity for the president not to be distracted by prosecution that undergirds the claim that the prosecution itself can't happen. And by extension, you could argue, well, there's, there's nearly as much distraction and disruption if the president can be made the object of active investigation during the time. On the other hand, there is this difference. If you can't investigate for a period that could run as long as eight years, there's a real risk of loss like of the ability. To, of evidence. You, even, even without misbehavior. Yeah, just, just the just passage a, of time. To, you know, Things happen. Yeah. You could lose the ability to gain the evidence. So it seems like uh, that might favor... Some kind of functional, pragmatic rule where a showing has to be made. There's a need to preserve evidence, or that there's some risk. But that sounds kind of hard to administer, and so I'm not sure I'd be drawn to some sort of Goldilocks compromise. I think a- I might rather say, "Look, you got to be able to investigate." Right. But the president should be able to make motions to quash for particularly disruptive impositions, such as making calling the president to sit for a deposition. Of
1: course, of course. And I think, and Clinton versus Jones gets at that, right? Yeah. Um, here's the problem, though. Right. The the Trump's argument is all grounded in the, you know, you can't prosecute the president. It's not hard to believe that an investigation of the likes that Cyrus Vance is attempting is not directed solely at the president. But right. it also encompasses plenty of people who are lawfully subject to criminal prosecution, and therefore, right if, in whose so so even if you can't bring charges against Trump, that yeah. it doesn't to me I, it doesn't follow from can't prosecute Trump criminally. Right, you can't investigate, can't investigate anything yeah. he's involved in. That's
0: I think that actually is a point that is now that you've said it, is like looms as like the elephant in the room here is like the very obvious answer to a lot of this. Now maybe there's something about how Vance has. Uh, framed his investigation that's failed to Yeah, you know, if you go back in time you yeah. might think okay, I should make sure I have a broadly framed investigation with the corporate, but I think that's the case, right? Isn't it? So the yeah, the, the corporate entity is in fact the main object here? Yes, yes. And, and so, I think, and I so think, the president's trying to reach through and say, yeah, but it implicates me. And so just
1: because it touches me, it must all be shut down. And I just, the yeah. breadth of that argument I think is not going no, to sit that, well. Okay,
0: so that's a really good point that I think works pretty well, that you could you could do it that way and say, look, that may be and he may be able to make um specific disruption arguments that might in some cases warrant uh, a judge, a federal judge, even intervening and say, "All right, no, no, you can't have the president for this deposition. You right. can't call him as a witness right now, etc." Yeah. But to actually try to claim that therefore a third party can't produce documents, this has no direct bearing on the president. And I think that's why, to, that's
1: why the instinct is going to be some kind of middle road, right, where where Trump gets something out of this, but not not what he's asking for. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And I think I think I saw a report this morning that one of the things, Judge. I Either Judge Chin or Chief Judge Katzman said, like, it looks like this case is going to the Supreme Court anyway. Right. Um, Which, of course, (laughs) then suggests that they're going to decide this very quickly. Um, Right. And then the question is, you know, would the court then want to have this decided this term? Right. Because, you know, it could
0: happen. As in all this litigation, delay is a win. For the president, from a certain right. point of view, I think a lot of the uh, moves we've seen are are mainly about just kicking the can down the road and yeah. getting on
1: the far side of the election. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, speaking of the Supreme Court, can we talk about the court? Yeah. yeah. So uh, two very big cert grants on Friday after we recorded at Harvard. Um, the first is one we predicted, uh, as, as as we first broke on this podcast. <laughs> we pre, uh, pre-broke the news. We pre-broke the news. We break um, a lot of things around here. So the court did, in fact, grant the government's petition in in the Sri Lankan name I can't pronounce but we will butcher anyway, Department of Homeland Security versus Therasagium. Okay. Um, this is the big suspension clause case about uh, non citizen undocumented immigrants who are subject to expedited removal. And basically, this is a major constitutional case about the rights of undocumented immigrants who have just recently and surreptitiously entered the United States.
0: This one, if the ultimate opinion, whichever way it cuts, is written broadly, could have really strong implications, um, I suspect we'll get a really narrowly written opinion. I think that's
1: right. So, so, you know, two things—I've said this before and I'll say it again. I mean, I think this is an issue where there's a huge difference between Kavanaugh and Kennedy. um, Yeah, that's right. right. Um, But also, I mean, the way the government has framed its petition— there's a way that you could have something that looks like the chief justice's dissent in Bumetian. Hmm. So in Bumetian, there were two dissents. There was Scalia saying, I can't believe the suspension clause is being applied to Guantanamo. Right. And then there's the chief, and the chief says, okay, yeah, but, right, even if it is applied to Guantanamo, the chief actually spent a lot of effort trying to explain why he thought it wasn't violated, why he thought the review provided to the detainees was adequate to satisfy the suspension yeah. clause. And the government really, I think, nods toward that argument in its cert petition that you could avoid the suspension clause right. question by simply right. saying whether or not the suspension clause applies, right? There's enough review here. Um, the difference is there's so much less review here than in yeah. the Boumedian context. Maybe the chief could say, but the stakes are lower because you right. know these individuals are not in detention for nearly as long. Exactly. Detention in this context is not incapacitation. It's just a temporary... You know, status antecedent to their removal. Exactly.
0: Right. So, now, I could
1: easily imagine it going that way. I mean, I still think that would be bad. Um, but it wouldn't be the kind of massive precedent for constitutional rights of undocumented immigrants that I really yeah. fear. Uh,
0: so if I had to bet on it, I'd yeah. say your description ends up being exactly what happens. And then
1: maybe, and maybe it's maybe it's not maybe it's not quite five four. Like maybe it's five four as to how the chief describes the administrative process, but yeah. maybe like there's a narrower concurrence with yeah, some of the progressives. saying. Yeah. Well, it
0: could be. Yeah, it could be five, four one way, and then five four the other way.
1: Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Five four. Well, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the chief. Well, that's a fascinating question. Would the chief go out of his way to say to hold that yeah. the suspension clause Yeah, applies? more likely
0: not. He might say assume without deciding. Then so you just, it's 4 really, It's four one four. as a practical matter. But, but all He's the one say, who
1: doesn't really take a position. Probably going to be argued in February, um, and it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, perhaps almost as big a deal, although a little bit more outside of our lane, <laughs> Um, is the CELA law case, which was granted on Friday. Oh, I,
0: I was sure you were going to say almost as big a deal as your upcoming case, which no. I think I should be a fair statement because Hernandez, too, is a big deal. Hernandez
1: is a big deal, but, you know, I wasn't Wait, going count, there. Countdown to oral argument? Uh, it's 20 days. All right. All we, right. Filed, we filed our reply brief this morning, so the briefing was done. Woo-hoo. Yay. Yeah, um, you were going a different way. Sorry. I was going a different way. So also on Friday, the Supreme Court granted certain a case called SALA Law versus CFPB, uh, and this is actually a quietly important separation of powers case about um, the structure of independent executive branch agencies. No, that anything that touches that is a
0: is always been a hot topic. It should S- be especially yeah, this court, and, yeah.
1: and 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 the leading sort of the leading judicial critic of these kinds of independent agencies is. Former D.C. Circuit Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Uh Aha. So what's the question presented here? So this is a question that's been lurking for a while. So independent agencies, you have to bear with us, listeners. I was just teaching this in Commonwealth yesterday, and my students were looking at me like I had walked off of a spaceship. The little Humphrey's Executor action, a little Myers. So the Supreme Court has, since 1935, a case called Humphrey's Executor versus United States. Love it. Recognized that Congress is allowed to create um, independent agencies that are technically in the executive branch, but they're independent in two respects. One, they're not part of any department, right? They are free-floating administrative entities, and two, they're independent in the sense that they can be run by a group of people who are not subject to at-will termination. Right. So,
0: so it's intention with the unitary executive theory.
1: It is. Although, I mean, give it, you know, as, as evidenced by the fact that Humphrey's executor was 9 nothing, uh the unitary executive theory was not much in vogue in the yeah. Supreme so, Court. So
0: instead of saying in I'll say it was a blow to it the was unitary a blow. executive It was, it was definitely theory, a blow. Given um, that Article 2 vest the executive power... In one person, in one person only, the commander in chief. Okay, Justice Scalia, the president.
1: I'm just saying what's in Article Two. Um, well, but there's a lot that isn't in Article Two, including anything about removal of inferior officers or employees or anything else. So, um, yep. All right. Anyway, so there's there is the Scalia line of objections to the Supreme Court's um, appointments clause jurisprudence, Morrison versus Olson, most prominently, which is about the executive's ability to control officers who are within executive departments. This is a different branch, right? This is the independent agency branch. And Humphrey's executor is the real big precedent there. Um, The Consumer Financial Protection Board, 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 Board. Bureau? CFPB. Uh CFPB. I I feel bad that I don't remember this one. Um, So CFPB is one of a handful of these independent agencies that are run not by a group of like commissioners, but by a single director. Um, They're called single director independent agencies. And... This really sort of, I think, clever attack on Humphrey's executor has been, instead of sort of launching a broadside on it, to say that was different because the Federal Trade Commission, the agency at issue in Humphrey's executor, is a multi-member commission, right? Like the Securities and Exchange Commission or- So now why would that matter? So the argument that then D.C. Circuit Judge Brett Kavanaugh um, really started sort of articulating is that the concern is that you are giving too much power to one person who isn't the president. Right, that as opposed So it's to, diluted
0: with a multi-member board where the staggered appointments ensure there's at least a little more ability for the president right. who's currently elected to refresh control. That's right.
1: Now, a true Unitarian would say that distinction ought not to matter right. because as soon as you're taking away any of the president's power. Right. It either,
0: it either is tolerable or it's
1: not. It's not a Goldilocks kind of compromise analysis. And that's Scalia and Morrison. But, you know, in a world in which as a lower court judge, you're bound by Humphrey's executor, you need a way to distinguish it. And so the distinction is, unlike the FTC, the SEC, the FCC, the FEC, all of those, single director agencies are different because now you have one person who has legislative authority through rulemaking who in some cases has adjudicatory authority mm-hmm. and who is not subject to the plenary control of the president.
0: Yeah. No, it, it clearly accentuates the problem. But I agree with you that there's either a problem or there isn't. Right. And, and to draw a doctrinal line between the multi-members and the single director models is simply to be pragmatic about it. And that may be the
1: right thing. It well, and, may be descriptively and the courts already So in free enterprise fund versus public company accounting oversight board,
0: Right. Um,
1: The Supreme Court said, even though Morrison says one layer of four cause removal is okay, Right. Two levels is not. Right. And that's the kind of pragmatic. Right. Yeah. Right. So so the question is, in state law, twofold. One is I I think there's no question the court's going to strike down single director boards, I think there are clearly five votes okay. for that now. But will
0: they go for the gusto? And go after Humphrey's I executor.
1: It. I doubt it. You know, I doubt it too, but what if the SG shows up and says you should overrule Humphrey's executor? Um, that would be huge, because that would not... So, just what I want to be clear about is, if this is just about single director independent agencies, it's important, but it's small. Yeah, right. so just but just if a, this becomes a referendum on independent oh, agencies, yeah. period, this becomes the biggest separation of powers case the court has heard no, in a the, long time.
0: I have two words for you. Federal Reserve. Yeah, right? right? The Fed. That's enough to hopefully send chills down your spine. The
1: Fed is an an independent executive branch agency whose board members are protected from removal except for cause. And
0: if there's any context where even the most staunch unitary executive theorist could say, at least at this moment, I'm not sorry that the president can't simply Pluck
1: now, out whoever he wants and put in whomever he likes. So I mean, I think I think we know that Kavanaugh is a Unitarian. I think we know that Thomas is a Unitarian. I think Alito probably is. I don't know about Gorsuch and the Chief. I, I'm doubtful on the chief being willing to
0: abandon the settled, yeah. this is an old case. Yep. We've got a huge amount of actual practice and operation providing right. a gloss of history and practice. But the
1: chief wrote free enterprise fund, right? So the chief was totally fine with the not quite analytically defensible, pragmatic distinction to limit the older case to, you know, True a, that. a smaller context. But,
0: but by the same token, if you're, if you're willing to be, uh, if you're, if you're willing to be pragmatic at all, then you're perfectly willing, presumably, in some cases to make that move, but in other cases to decide it would be too costly to make that move.
1: I'll just say, I mean, I think, I think you know, this is going to be one of those cases that I think is going to be h- hard for random folks to sort of fully follow every little right. drop but and tittle. a lot will turn on A lot is going to matter. And so yeah. this is a big deal. High, le-
0: high leverage case.
1: High leverage case. And, you know, even, even a, a holding that the single director structure is unconstitutional could mean that the entire CFPB has to be wiped off the, the books. Right. And, and which, that's a big deal.
0: W- which is, I think, something that a lot of people are gonna think okay good or okay horrible no no a lot of people are clearly gonna think it's horrible yeah. but I think a lot of people most likely be drawn to the constitutional theory here yeah also are not fans of the CFPB is what I'm well that's right
1: there's a lot of alignment there all say is like you know for all the folks out there who are saying, yeah the unitary executive theory makes perfect sense to me does that mean the civil service is unconstitutional
0: No, there's all kinds of things but I think the, the most the sharpest point on that is to say okay so you're cool with the president who decides that the Fed isn't juicing the economy right. to serve electoral interests? Not not that the president would do anything with government power no. to advance his electoral interest. In we got electoral interest, personal
1: financial interests Yeah, both. Right? Yeah. I mean,
0: well, well, these things aren't separated with this guy. Well,
1: th- well but that's the thing, right? So, like, you know, you're cool with him putting Ivanka, you know, on the on the Fed.
0: Yeah. Well, once you start. going... <laughs>
1: There's nothing I mean, that's where we're going, right? I
0: know. Well, um, so do we. This makes me think to pause and say, yeah. do we have anything new to say about Ukraine and the very, the testimony is what it's been. Well, no, no I thought yesterday. I, mean, I thought
1: I thought was it who, who is it uh, was a Hudson who testified yesterday. Uh, um, I don't
0: remember the sequence of who testified when. Right,
1: but like, I mean, I, I I think it keeps getting worse for the president and the remember Republican members of Congress keep digging in deeper. I'm just I'm trying to figure out at what point like. Any of them? Are going yeah. To actually... Did you see this? Uh,
0: there was a Hugh Hewitt tweet that, that was trying to troll the uh, the quid pro quo yeah. thing, saying, "Oh, speaking of quid pro quo," and it basically said, "Like, how about the Louisiana Purchase?" Um, <laughs> I don't think the I don't think the quid pro quo concern. I'm not sure this needs to be said, but apparently, maybe the concern isn't. He said that, that you can't. Yeah, it's out there on on. It's all out there on Twitter. Um, it's not that you can't. <sighs> Exchange things in international relations. That's every day. It's when you're exchanging them for
1: your own right. personal Thomas benefit. Thomas, it was, Thomas Jefferson. did There wasn't a secret codicil to the Louisiana Purchase. He didn't buy it French. For himself. Where the French agreed to, you know, send five million dollars to Monticello. Right, like you yeah. know, the the Louisiana Purchase was Jefferson buying it for the United States. Well, he wasn't doing it. It may have had the downstream effect of, 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 of being bad for
0: Aaron Burr, but it wasn't done. <laughs> it wasn't done. Yeah, unpack that if you can. Uh, it wasn't done to advance Jefferson's reelection interests. That, that might be the it, well. Actually, I mean, let me be more specific because you could argue like, yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. no, like that actually it wasn't helped. done. It wasn't, it wasn't done, done to, to, to personally benefit him. Well, let's let's be even more specific because you say like, well, no, he was going to aggrandize him as president. Well, sure, everything they're doing could fit that. Yeah. It wasn't done as a way to procure French assistance in going after right. the political enemy. Whoever enemies. The heck
1: ran against him in eighteen oh four, I don't even remember who it was. That um, is a good question. All right, you say stuff, I'm going to look online. But this is, I mean, this is this is where we are, right? Um, you know, where we are is where we are is basically um, that the the conversation has shifted to. Members of Congress defending outrageous things the president said. Did you see what Lindsey Graham said yesterday? So Trump does his usual. I'm going to say something deeply provocative. I'm going to call this a lynching, right? And you know some members of Congress rightly respond, um, not a lynching. No, no, you don't. Right?
0: You don't. You don't say that. And Lindsey Graham says, of course, it's
1: it. a lynching. A lynching in every
0: sense. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that that's doubling down i'm not sure why one would claim that so it, I tweeted, it is I, it is a it is right. not a lynching so, in most senses so i so i tweeted, most senses. So, so
1: I tweeted dear lindsay grab here's some of the senses in which this is actually not like a lynching <laughs> yeah that's remarkable he's he's such an interesting but character. he's not alone like i mean just no, what, I what is it you know why why is i mean i understand like people are are cowards but why you know yeah. I wasn't no. expecting this many people to be cowards. Look, look at
0: the, the overall apparatus or machinery that's been training its fire on Mitt Romney yeah. for the, for the you good- You mean Pierre Delecto? Okay, I can't believe we haven't <laughs> talked about this yet. Okay, put a pin in that. We're going to come right back to it. Um, I, I love that even more. Yes. As, you, as, as, as I think you know. I, I, and I, think, I love I think very Finder highly. even more. I think very highly. Yeah, that's some good sleuthing. Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. So First who, of all, I got to tell you. 204? Charles Cutsworth pin- Pinckney of South Carolina. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Um,
1: it was Not, not Marion Coatsworth Hay? No,
0: it was Charles C. Um, g- can you guess who his running mate would have been?
1: Alexander Walcott.
0: No, uh, it was Rufus King.
1: All right, Alexander Walcott was pretty good. It was a I good mean, guess. You know.
0: Good. Yeah, uh, the electoral count was 162 to 14 popular vote. This is actually a really telling number. The actual popular vote uh, for Jefferson, 104,110 votes. For, uh, for Pinkney, 38,919. That's all the votes.
1: Well, there weren't a lot Pro- of people. No, I know, I know, and, I know. And, and we didn't let, let most of the people
0: vote. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, And it's not just that the, um, non-white men were voting. But I doubt at that point still most of the property qualifications had gone away. No. I don't know at 1804, no, no, but I'm pretty no. sure most of them were still in place. Yes, yeah,
1: white male property owners. That's it, yeah. Fact.
0: Okay, so... Um, Time is very short. Yes. So shall we wrap our substantive discussion and sure. do some lightning frivolity? Lightning frivolity. Okay, first of all, I saw the trailer for The Last Star Wars or the – Currently, the rise spring. of Skywalker. Rise of Star Skywalker. Um, takeaways. What do you think's going on? What did you like? what did you dislike? Did they show too much? I feel like they showed you a they few. Sh-
1: well, I, I mean, we don't know if they showed too much, right? Because we don't know what they
0: didn't show. Uh, they're either being clever and they're ma- they made it feel like they were showing you like kind of the whole right. spectrum of things. So I
1: feel like I, I had I took a couple takeaways. One, it feels like this is Episode Three again, right? Where you know the first two of the sort of new trilogy, are like, eh, and then the third one, they're like, we're just going to do all of it, yeah, right? yeah, because you have to. Because Episode Three actually starts with like. To me, the best battle sequence, right, in any of the Star Wars movies. The huge really? battle around Coruscant at the beginning of episode three. Um so I you know I let me just go on record not
0: yeah. not liking anything in the first three movies. with Period. There were small especially, of episode three. Especially the the two CGI not yeah, not enough. modeled enough battle scenes. You
1: are the chosen one.
0: I just don't like it. Right. So first um
1: three. also like they keep teasing us with Palpatine, right? Right. Okay, so um Adam Serwer had a theory a while back
0: that I think is very interesting that uh, that everybody has been cloned. And so Palpatine's mm. back because he was cloned. Though that, but yeah. why wasn't
1: he there for the right. for, for seven and eight? Right. And he's
0: raised the possibility in what if Rey is an Anakin clone or somehow it, it, obviously adjusted uh, yeah. for gender. But... Well, I
1: and mean, it's the rise of Skywalker. There's only one Skywalker left. Right. So, um, uh... Plus, it also looks like a lot of this is happening on a planet that like one of the Death Stars – exploded and crash into so if it's well, the endor second, was a moon well this is my question this is my question i if mean the, the forest moon was a moon of endor right no it's the forest moon of it's uh, the
0: forest moon endor okay it's not or is it the forest moon of endor i thought it was endor i've always thought it's endor but, wow all right well
1: but, but anyway so it didn't look like endor yeah. or it didn't sorry it didn't look like the moon whether the moon is called endor or whether it's a moon of endor but anyway it looked like a different planet it looks like there's going to be a ray kylo Throw down the likes Clearly. Of, Um as we like, you know, you and McGregor and and Hayden Christensen in episode three, right? That you were the chosen one on on the the M planet whose name I don't remember.
0: Okay, according,
1: according to Wikipedia, Endor
0: is the name of the moon. That's what I'm saying. But what planet is it around? Is it this water planet that the remains of the Death Star fell into, and they're going to go find that? Like, would be an interesting piece of and information. And like Palpatine himself has just sort of been down there in sort of spirit form. Is he? I mean, there be, is a
1: Star Destroyer that like comes out of the ice. Well, Wait a
0: minute. If if uh, if Yoda. Obi Wan and Anakin can all, you know, be there right. in like force, illuminated force, force forms. Is that what? Is that the Palpatine that's going to be down there? And if you go there, it's yeah. like this dark place where the the, for, the Dark right. Side so, of the Force so is. So I'm strong.
1: very excited for the Rise of Skywalker. But there are two things I'm even more excited for that are happening first. Okay. The first is season three of the Crown. Oh yeah, can't wait! So excited! Very, very right? excited. I think November nineteenth. Okay. And the the second is um the 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 season four and the last season of the Man in the High Castle. November fifteenth. Okay, I need to get on that. You
0: really do. I've seen the first couple episodes. Love the no- the novella. Like all the Philip K. Dick stuff. Um, I it will catch up. So good. How long do I have to catch up on that? One? Uh,
1: you've got uh, three weeks. November fifteenth it drops.
0: Okay, so I may.
1: I think that's gonna be a problem. Well, hustle. All right, I'm on it. Uh, all right, should we do a, a, our three minute NBA preview? Okay, so let now me now that we're, begin, two ga- we're two games into the regular season. Just to get season. this out of the
0: way, I have a ritual to perform, and that is to say the that spurs everyone are going to the
1: playoffs. E- well, the sp- Is that your
0: ritual? Going to the playoffs? Gonna go deep into the playoffs. Playoffs. Obviously, they're going to the playoffs. Obviously. I mean, the Spurs always go to the playoffs, and (laughs) they have. Last year, they won a substantial number of games. They're way over five hundred. They did get knocked off by the Nuggets, who were really good, in the first round. Man, but but it, was, it was a competitive competition. And they were shorthanded the entire season because DeJounte Murray's out. He's back. He's rested. He The Spurs have basically added um, an all-NBA defender and point guard, who very well could be an all-star, probably is at that caliber. They added that, and everyone's treating them like they're going to be worse. Blah, it's blah, blah. typical blah, blah, anti-Spurs blah, 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 prejudice.
1: Blah, blah, blah. Typical. Blah, blah, blah,
0: Don't sleep on greg popovich
1: um so i mean listen the spurs are the spurs right but now they've got this slight problem which is even though i think everyone agrees it's going to be a down year for the warriors the west is still loaded right Right. because you've got the
0: clippers and lakers you have the aforementioned
1: nuggets right who i think are going to be at least as good as they were last year you've got the the, you've got the lebron and and unibrow show right you've got the clippers with your 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 best friend Kawhi. Mm.
0: Why not? Um, there's no question that the – Rockets. The, so I would say the Clippers are basically – right now I'd say the they're Jazz. probably going to be number one seed. Yeah. Uh, I the think Trail Blazers. I think something will not – there's something karma-like wrong with the Lakers. It's just not going to work as oh, well as it should. Right. But they're still a playoff team. They're a playoff team for sure. Um, the Rockets are going to be good. The Rockets, Nuggets, Blazers, Clippers, Lakers, and Spurs, and Warriors –
1: that's you know, eight, right? No, I mean, I, I think seven. I, I think we've got trouble. I think the Spurs and the Warriors could actually be like fighting for the wait, eighth playoff spot. Who
0: would who would move a, who would move into that space that wasn't there? So I mean, wait, it's not going to be Memphis Clippers, or New Orleans,
1: Lakers, Portland, yeah. Houston, Denver, Dau- Denver, Utah, Utah, um, San Antonio, Golden State,
0: eight teams. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll tell you. You heard it here first. San Antonio, number five seed.
1: Number five seed. Number five seed. So listen, my job is much easier because my team, the Knicks, <laughs> is not going to make the playoffs. And so I feel confident in the prediction that the Knicks are not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Poor Knicks. They they almost tried so hard. They almost tried. That, that, is, <laughs> that should be the episode title. We almost, almost tried, tried so hard. hard. <laughs> Done. Um, MVP? Uh, Kawhi.
0: Mm. and you know that pains me that's an admission against that's, interest. that's hard oh can i say i'll tell you what should be the mvp of marketing heb grocery drops their uh they begin their annual campaign of spurs commercials if you don't know what this is look it up heb spurs commercials the first two drop tonight during the game
1: by the way i just want you to know 538s um rankings right the raptor rankings oh
0: i saw they had the spurs like Cratering.
1: ridiculous. They, they that is, that is so condemnatory
0: of 538. <laughs> it
1: is is it is preposterous. Nobody... It's totally condemnatory until you see who they have picked to finish last in the NBA. The Knicks! The Knicks! Yeah, well, so, you know... They're... Even if stop clock is right twice a day. Um, well, all this is to say it's yet another NBA season that I'm going to have a really hard time getting excited about because my team sucks. Oh, uh, should we get, should we get like a fantasy basketball league going? It's a little It started little... yesterday. I know dude. you can
0: start you can start
1: late. Okay. Every year, listeners, Bobby has this great idea that we should have a fantasy basketball or even a fantasy baseball league here in the law school. And he sends out an email to everybody to try to gin up Nobody interest. Nobody replies. And I'm the only person who writes back. <laughs> hey, we could each have all-star teams. Every once in a while, the dean writes back and says, this is a great idea. Let me know if you've got any takers. Yep. And we're like, yeah.
0: Uh, I will not go down the
1: rabbit hole again. I won't, I won't Charlie Brown kick the football. Now, you know what we could do? We hmm. have, we, apparently, we have listeners. We could get a. thing We could have going. a listener. We could have a listener now. I don't want. I don't like fantasy basketball because I think you have to. It's too hard. Yeah. Um, but maybe next year we'll do like a fantasy uh, a listener fantasy football league. That's not a bad idea, especially if we get someone else to organize it. <laughs> totally. We need a staff. <laughs> on that note, can we work on that? I'll work on it. Okay, you get a staff, and I'm gonna. You know, go write some more briefs. I'm heading Um, to the airport. You are heading to the airport. Find the staff on the way. Yes. All right. So he is at Bobby Chesney. I'm at Steve underscore Vladek. We are at NSL Podcast, and we will be back next Friday live from D.C., although it won't really be live because we won't be able to put it on the internet until Bobby's back in front of his computer. Until then, um, keep your heads down, everybody. Stay safe out there.
0: Adios.